A game of rugby takes 80 minutes. That's 4,800 seconds. But it only takes one to win a scrum, to steal a line out, make a break and score a try. One second for a hero to become a legend, for one team to become champions. And it's their line-out that creates the opportunities to score their tries, and that's exactly what happened. He goes wide, and he finds a winger. Oiderman, he's faster than a bald man's haircut. Oiderman, and he gets the try. What a heartbreaker. Welcome to MLR Kickoff, episode 83, with your hosts, Dan Powell and Pete Steinberg. Well, folks, week two in the books. It's a big one. Dan Powell with you, joined by the professor, Pete Steinberg. And Pete, man, we are two weeks in, but uh, MLR, it is heating up. I am. I am. Like, I. it's hard to keep up, Dan. Six games. Like, when you're not watching the games live, although I watched a little bit live, um, but it was, uh, it's it's like, there's some really good rugby. There's some really tight games. There's a lot of excitement. It is hard to keep up with everything that's going on. I, I, I won't be, you know, I won't short it with, with, with you guys and the listeners. You know, I am sitting here on Mondays and Tuesdays working with games up on my big second screen, like trying to catch up with what's happened. But um, lots of, lots of news and lots of exciting stuff. Yeah, I'm, I went phone and, and uh, iPad on Saturday. I know night. there's like more than one game going on at, at the time, but I have to say the rugby the rugby network is absolutely killer when you're trying to catch up. Like on Monday, all the games are there. Just click through, yep. watch Boom. the game. You can go forward like on the iPad. You can go forward ten seconds, so it allows you to like get through all the dead time. Definitely, definitely a bit. That's a big win, I think, for the league is the uh, um, is the rugby network. If there's something that I would say that would be useful for the league is in the league app is to have live scores. Live scores in the league app. I'll give you one more. They need to get a uh, Roku or uh, an app. Right. Well, Apple TV. Yeah, Apple yeah. TV for, for for those of us that are in the Apple ecosystem. Yes, yes. Because I've noticed my AirPlay. So I want to watch on the big screen. Airplay is quite choppy, but yeah. I'm sure that's, I'm not the only person having that problem and other people are looking at it. And I'm sure it's part of the, the pipeline for the league, but uh, no, no travel tip this week. We were both grounded at home. So I'll give a, I'll give a home tip, a parenting tip. Oh. Uh, never fight your kids for an iPad on a Saturday night because you will lose every time. So I had uh, my daughter saying I had to make a choice between my phone and my iPad. I had to give one up. I'm trying to watch, uh, San Diego, Austin, and then in Seattle, LA. And luckily, the Seattle LA game kind of blew out. We'll talk about that a little later. So I, I gave up the iPad and stayed on my phone and watched uh, San Diego and Austin, in, which was a very exciting end to that game. Pete, uh, any any issues in that one with Young Penelope as well? Do you have the the technology? I, I, I mean, I think I talked about this last time. Um, you know, Penelope first of all has her own iPad. Not sure if that's yes. a good or a bad thing. It's a travel. It's a travel iPad. She only gets to use it when she travels but um but no i mean she's actually pretty good at watching um you know we had some beautiful weather this weekend you know it was sort of like you know why don't you go outside there is a little bit of like i have a one-year-old and so there's a little bit of sort of when yvonne says hey you've got elliot i'm like oh yeah i've got elliot but what i'm really doing is watching the rugby and so so far elliot has survived 
that lack of attention by this parent. So hopefully that continues. Learn habits, learn habits, That's poor right. Elliot. You got to break the wheel, brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, hopefully uh, our future sponsor Apple can hook us both up with just That's right. rugby That's iPad. Right. Thanks, Apple. But our real sponsors, the Rugby Shop, obviously great supporters of the show. So uh, make sure that you get out there. ShopMLR.com, powered by the Rugby Shop. And Pete, what are they? Uh, what are they running this week? Special wise, oh, I knew you, you were going to ask me, and I'm like a little bit all over the place with because I've got my second screen up and I've got all the stats. Um, uh, what's the What's the address again, Dan? It is ShopMLR.com. Good job, Pete. All right, so um, all all the uh, all the jerseys still they've got a highlight as as uh, of the Giltinis. It's it's you know it, it's growing on me. Those colours, I was I was a little skeptical at the start, um, but you know if you really want the uh, um, you know the most American uh, um, jersey, then you go to DC. But they've got some pretty cool um, uh, um, rugby ATL T-shirts. Right. So those are some cool stuff. And they've also got some retro uh, rugby jerseys. So with the collar and with the buttons, you know, those you should always know it was a it was a legitimate rugby jersey if they had the plastic buttons. Yes. And so you can get on there if you want to get the classic um, rugby jerseys for your team. Yeah, I, I recently ran March Madness. So I ran the, the Jersey Wars on my Instagram and uh, it was Seattle home jersey versus NOLA home jersey in the final and the Seattle fans went crazy went crazy and got the seattle jersey so seattle fans you voted for it go and get it on shopmlr.com. nola fans you can commiserate by going buying that jersey on shop mlr and and dan how can people follow your crazy instagram account it's finished now but uh yeah your instagram account is finished no no the 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 competition so i know you have more competitions you're just full of these wonderful ideas i know i know i'm an ideas man and you're an important you know, implementation, man. So together we're, we're yin and yang. We're That's right. All right, let's jump into the weekend's action. We kick things off down in New Orleans, wearing those fancy home jerseys from Paladin, you know, rugby. Thank you, Paladin. Great supporters of the league as well. 51-28. Pete, it was a second half blowout from New Orleans. Three tries for uh, Tikiya Suva on the wing there. He earns team of the week honors for that on the wing. What do you think of this performance, Pete? Well, I mean, I think you're right. It was a second half performance. And when we look at the 51 points, you can say, wow, they, they really, they really like blew them out on attack. But actually what stood out for me is um, the defense, right? So Nola had um, 135 tackles. They only missed 15. That's a 90% tackle rate, but they conceded 19 penalties. It was a real problem for them. Um, for Nola, and we're seeing this consistently, penalties being a huge issue. It's one of the reasons why New York was able to stay into the game, um, despite the fact I think Nola probably played the better rugby throughout. But in that first half, it was just really, really difficult for um, Nola to be able to um, get any momentum because of their penalties. And then they had, I think, like three or four yellow cards in that game. So it's it was it was nuts. Like Nola were really their worst their own worst enemy in this game. Yeah, two intercept tries as well. So that That's definitely right. didn't, didn't help New York's cause in this one. But Nola, uh, they looked very sharp, ball in hand. Again, super impressed with Damian Stevens when he comes on in that nine jersey. Yeah, uh, definitely he, he's... Looks like a tempo. Yeah, I, yeah I mean, it's going to be... 
you know, Holden Young gets like a, an, an OG, right? He's, he's an original guy. Um, but Damien Stevens plays the game at a slightly quicker pace. And, and maybe that's a choice that Nate Osborne is making to kind of like wear them down and then speed it up. But that's, uh, um, that's going to be an inter- interesting selection decision to look as you go through the rest of the season. Yeah. And again, that could, you could actually be 100% right there, Pete, where you bring in Holden, who, who certainly is, is a little bigger than Damien, but have him in for that early attrition rate where it's a bit more physical. The game isn't necessarily as fast because of the physicality. And then when the tie of legs start to creep into the game, bring in Stevens, who's a real live wire out of that position. And the, the only issue there is, is after 40 minutes, if Noel is behind, can they catch up against some of these yeah. you know, other teams? So, But that's why uh, Nate Osborne is the coach down there and we're not. And that's a decision they're going to have to keep making. All right, mate, let's move up the road. Atlanta, 23, DC, 30, uh, OGDC, even with Jason Robinson at home after some early week surgery, they get it done. And we said, Nola, second half, it was again, DC, made some changes at the break, second half, came home stronger. Well, I mean, I think that there's, um, you know, I think I think there are some challenges here for Atlanta, right? So I think that their scrum has been um, a bit of a, a a bit of a challenge. I think they they got a signing this week, right? Um, yes, they, they did. Yeah, up front, we'll talk up about front. that big yeah. board. Talk about yeah, little teaser there. So I think they'll be able to help that out. But I think the um, uh, DC were able to um, pressure the scrum that prevented Atlanta from really getting into the flow. You know, this is a this is a tough tough choice. I think for um, for any coach when you lose your ten and and maybe your your best backup ten is your nine. But I thought that moving Danny Tusatala back to nine and bringing on Mike Dubulas was like that changed the game. Like Danny Tusatala might be the best nine in, in the competition. There's some really good nines, right? And so when you move your best nine to ten, then you have a not as good nine and a not as good ten. And I get like, um, you know, Mike Dubalas is a Penn State guy, played fly half a lot, um, played full, started at fullback in week one, maybe not quite used to, you know, not, not doesn't have the confidence, but I thought he really stepped in. He ran that team well. I thought Danny's two, Danny Tusatala made a difference. And I thought that was um, a really, really uh, big move. And, and, that, and that changed the game. Atlanta, you know, I, you know they're they're missing Kurt Coleman. I think I think that's that's the challenge, and they've got the same thing. They've got um, you know Van uh, Van Schoekwick, right, who played ten uh, in college, but has mainly been a nine. Was a nine last year. They're now now moving him to ten. Maybe you want to look at that. You've got to think about how you're going to um, create that balance. They you know like we've said they struggled in the scrum. You know Atlantis. You know th- there's a lot of lot of good quality there um but they haven't really shown yet i mean you know this is like week two these are basically preseason games you know we don't know who's the best yet you see a lot of rotation in the teams like a lot of um learning is going on with the coaches so you know um i think atlanta will will show at the end that they'll be one of the better teams but they're not showing it right now yeah I'm going to be patient with rugby atlp just because robbie petzer comes in late obviously losing kurt coleman you can't you know, you, you can't plan for that. You're losing your 10. And, and we saw that with uh, Old Glory, like losing Robinson and moving Danny Tussitala. They just didn't look the same. And so it really goes to show like that magnifying glass over the league that we see sometimes on how important your 10 is. Um, 
Robbie Pets is going to take a little bit of time to get adjusted to how ATL play. Yeah. And once he does, I think ATL will be a bit more comfortable. Scott Lawrence, is a, and you, you say this all the time, he's a smart guy. He thinks on a, on a level quite different to, to normal people. And I think he will play to the strengths of Petzer and Van Skolvijk. Um, it's going to take some time to adjust your gameplay. Like it's it's such a it was such a last minute, and, and I know you expect injuries, but usually you can kind of you know bubble wrap your playmakers and get them through. Uh, it's just unfortunate Kurt got hurt in that last preseason game, but I I still I wouldn't panic. It's the, it's the one zero and two. Are they zero and two? They're zero and two, right? No, no, they're one and one. They're Sorry, one and one, one, right? But there's no, I don't, I don't feel there's really panic there with this game. Yeah, I mean, and, and I have to say that I really love um, uh, Ezkura in, in the centers yeah, at 12. Yep. But if you remember, like I remember um, Petzer at 12 for Glendale, and mm-hmm. he was like, just, he was someone you could plough. We may end up seeing Petzer move to 10. I mean, he's got the hands, he's got the, uh, um, he, he has the ability. Um, they have uh, um, met the missile right yes um at 14 but he played a lot of 13 last year so they've got you know i think they're still learning and you know you're right about the 10 you know we say nine and tens and three and and i think that um you know that they've struggled a little bit in the in the forwards and you know they obviously don't have the depth because you know um alex morn who's like on the radar of gary gold very good property he played he played 80 minutes and yeah. you don't play 80 minutes with your tight head if you have depth. And so I think their new signing is going to be someone that's going to be really useful for them. Yes, it will. All right. We'll keep moving on down to Houston. 32-0, the Free Jacks on the road over Houston. Both sides now sit at 1-1 one and one on the year. This is a weird one. Obviously, conditions played a part down here in Houston, but uh, the Sabercats looked, looked flat and frustrated, if I'm being honest, where the Free Jacks, in that second 40 with the wind at their backs, definitely looked like a side to keep an eye on on the East Coast Conference. Yeah, I mean, um, ball retention for Houston. Like, they can't get into their flow because they they can't hold on to the ball. Um, they conceded 18 turnovers, right? New England conceded seven. Um, they had, you know, more than double the number of carries Houston did, but... You know, so they dominated in territory, 65% of the territory, 60% of the possession, but they were never dangerous. They never looked like they were able to really play at pace. Um, and, you know, I think that the, you know, the, the, the Free Jacks defended well. Um, and, you know, it's just, this is like, an, you know, Houston's a conundrum. They've got good players. Um, you know, they're... Um, they're missing, like, you know, they're starting scrum half right. So, you know, I don't know. Houston have a tradition of winning the first game and losing the next four, right? Yeah. And, and 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 this um, this looked like it was going to be a little bit like that. The other thing I would say is that, um, you know, they looked to struggle in their scrum um, a little bit more, although these scrums were really scrappy. I mean, this was just – this really felt, down like a preseason game for both teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it did. And I think you and I have talked about this a little bit, probably until that week four or five, we're going to see teams really starting to settle in their, into their identity because of the short preseason. All right, moving on. Uh, Toronto, 0-2. Who would have picked that one starting the season? Well, against Utah, 39-24, the home side Warriors earned themselves team of the week as well with this win. 
And the Warriors, Pete, the inconsistent Warriors are no more. Sean Pittman has them on a two-game win streak, I believe, maybe for the first time in the team's history. It was on two in a row. Uh, uh, but I was blown away. I watched this game on uh, Saturday, Saturday, Saturday night and absolutely blown away. The Warriors looked so good. Well, this was by far, this is, this is the game of the season so far. Both teams, right? I thought both teams played um, good rugby. There was continuity. I loved, like, I love what Sean Pittman's doing with their attack. I mean, they're going from sideline to sideline, stretching the defense, then punching through the middle. Be interesting to see when they come up against, you know, like an Atlanta defense that gets up in their face. But I thought that was really good. But a couple of things, if you want to know whether a, um, whether it's a good game, you want to look at scrums and want to look at penalties. So there were only 18 penalties, which is a good number. I mean, all the other games this weekend, I think, had more than 30. So only 18 penalties. So very, very well played by the teams. Only six penalties for Utah, right? Mm -hmm. Now, just think about that. Like, every time there's a penalty, there's a loss of territory, and there's a loss of possession. So they only did that six times. That allowed them to really dominate possession and territory. And then the other thing, I'm just pulling up the stats. Let me go down and get the stats. There were only 13 scrums. Wow. So, so, so when you have 13 scrums and you have 18 penalties, what you have is a game that flows. It was a great um, advert for Major League Rugby. And boy, Schulte looks good. Um, you know, he looks like a different fly half than previous years. But when you play on the front foot, Dan, like everyone looks good. And so I think I think up front, they're doing a really, really great job. I think Angus, Angus um, McClellan's doing a great job at tight head. Um, uh, Malo, Malolo, the hooker. I mean, that guy is just a beast. And so they're doing some really, really good stuff. It's really exciting to see them play. <laughs> Yeah, it, it is, and uh, good discipline too. And that kind of plays the stats you mentioned there, Pete, their discipline is something that's right. changed. So, all right, moving on. Uh, well, this this one I had on for about 20 minutes and then gave up on just because of the scoreline. LA over Seattle, 57 to 26. The Guiltinis, they, uh, they are for real. Yep. Yes, they are. They're for real. That's, that's they can play. Pretty much it. And I know there were some Seattle fans through the week that were pretty disappointed, but I, I don't think this is going to be the first, you know, beating that LA puts on teams. It's definitely not going to be the last. So there's going to be some other people on Seattle building something, changing some systems up there. You hate to use the term a rebuild year, but um, they just got blown off the park in the first 40 minutes. They fought back quite well in the second half, but man, LA just looks so good with that ball. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they move the ball well. Um, they get go forward. Right now, they don't seem to have a um, a huge weakness, right? Um, there's nothing about them, you know. And you look at the stats, and you're like, actually, you know, they, LA was a little bit under pressure in the scrum, right? But um, you know, generally, like Seattle wasn't really outplayed. They were just not as efficient. And, you know, just a, um, a, a shout out to James Malcolm, who might might have the the best 27 sub appearance ever on for 27 minutes. And he scores a hat trick. Right. You want to could you want to talk about an impact sub? And I think that there is a little bit where L.A. took the 
took their um, foot off the gas, but it shows you that it just, in, in MLR, if you just take a little bit, if you just take a little step back, um, teams can close. So I don't think, you know, like I said, you know, you, we've heard a lot about Hawaii. We've heard a lot about the preseason of, of LA. I think they've had a better preseason than, than others. And I think that's why they've come out of the gate early and strong. Um, but it's going to give them confidence that that's going to really um, lead them through the, uh, um, the rest of the season. All right, listeners, uh, put your safety goggles on. Hands in your pockets. Don't touch anything. We're stepping inside the professor's lab right now as Professor Pete breaks down his game. It's San Diego with a squeaker, 14-11 over Austin. And with that, just uh, come through these double doors. And remember, no, don't get near the naked flames and don't touch anything in Pete Steinberg's lab. Professor the floor is yours. So, you know, I didn't watch this game live and, and um, you know, uh, Aaron, our producer and Dan and I are on like during the games, there's uh, like, you know, text going on about the games and um, I can't remember what I was doing, but I couldn't, I couldn't watch the game. And, you know, I, I saw that it was three, nothing at halftime. And I'm like, man, this must be a terrible game, right? Like if you don't score points, but actually the game was pretty good. Right. What it was, was that there was some really stiff defense right at the try line. Right. People really struggled to get over over the line. And the other thing I think was really interesting about this is it's the first time that we've seen the new scrum laws have a negative effect. Right. So often, like we look at the new scrum law, which is you can only really have two scrums. Right. You can have a reset and then another scrum that you can't scrum again. And what we see is, you know, generally that speeds it up. It speeds the game up. But here, Austin in the first half, I think about the 30th minute, they were dominating in the scrum, right? Paddy Ryan and Jamie McIntosh were doing a great job. And um, Nate Silva, um, Sylvia in particular was really struggling. Like if you look, he was unable to get into a really strong body position. And Paddy Ryan was just owning him for for the whole time. It was a struggle for him in the whole of the first half. He had to came out. And I know Nathan Sylvia is thought very highly by the San Diego Legion, right? So we knew, we, we know that. So Paddy Ryan really did um, a good job on him, but there was a scrum. It was like 30 minutes and um, Austin were dominating. They had a reset and then Austin won a penalty. And what you would do without the new law variation is you would choose another scrum. Right, because we've got we're dominating. We could get a penalty try and potentially a yellow card, but in the new scrum law, they couldn't do that, and they had to kick it to touch. Right, and their lineout wasn't as dominant. So I thought it was interesting, and I also thought that once um, that you know San Diego subbed both of their props, right? So they also subbed Chris Bauman. I mean, these 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 are good players. That scrum in the second half became pretty solid i thought it was interesting also that san diego started both halves really well right the first five or six minutes was all san diego i actually think san diego played the better rugby but they were really unable to be able they, they were unable to sustain it because their set piece in the first half really didn't allow them to do it hmm. the other thing i thought was interesting is so you know um uh austin were up i think 11 11 nothing at halftime i think right and san diego played really well for about 15 minutes, right? 15, 20 minutes, they scored two tries. And then the rest of the game was Austin. Like literally San Diego were kicking, 
They were trying to get territory. Austin would get the ball and they'd go back into San Diego's te um, territory. Sorry, into Austin, um, yeah, into San Diego territory. But San Diego's defense, for the first time, looked like the old San Diego defense, right? They stood up. They were physical with Austin, right? There would, there'd be phase after phase and Austin just wouldn't go anywhere. And I think that has to be something that um, Zach Test and Scott Murray are happy about is to see more of that attitude that um, San Diego has in defense in that second half. Because it was like 20 minutes of like Austin trying to score. And they also had multiple penalties they didn't kick down. I mean, I like kick the points. Like in a low scoring game, kick the points. Right. They kept putting it to touch, just kick the points. And I think that, um, you know, if Austin had done that and, you know, they've got great kickers on their team. If Austin had done that, then I think they'd have actually walked away with this game pretty easily. But they were trying to pull away. There's a little bit of like, oh, we, we can get over, but they just weren't able to do it. Yeah, just couldn't execute down that red zone. It's just uh, it was frustrating to watch because they, they, they did have an opportunity late there, Pete, to kick a penalty to tie it up. And they did. That one, that one, I actually kind of like applaud as as a just as purely as a fan, right? Because you don't want them to like go for the win, like just go. You for want, the yeah. Win. I mean, I mean, I get that, but you know, even if it's the seventieth minute or even the seventy fifth minute, when you're dominating like that, kick it, you get the ball back and go and get mm. another penalty. Well, it's weird. So it was actually eleven seven up until about the seventy second minute, and that's when San Diego scored to that's take right. the first that's lead. Right. That, you're right. And by the way, a great try, right? So, so very good. Try. So, so the interesting thing about that is that San Diego went like 90, 90 meters, lost line out. Meters, yeah, where right? we should have taken a scrum. We right. oh geez, I mean they we, we they <laughs> right. So, so, so you're abs absolutely right, and and that's you know, and I um I was blocking that in my mind. But that's actually how dominant Austin were after that first try, right? So for the last 25 minutes, I think that was like the only attacking platform in the last 25 minutes of the game that San Diego had had. And it, and it came from like a clean break, right? That came through the middle and then they moved it wide. It was a really like beautiful, fast play, you know, make the break, move the ball. Like it was, a, it was, it was a great try. But that was like, you see that with San Diego in these little pieces, but it's, they're just not consistent enough. Yeah, yep. Well, we'll talk about the both sides games coming up next week. So, but for now, Pete, obviously uh, a lot of brilliant performances throughout week two. But in my opinion, and and the opinion of uh, the the expert pundits, player of the week goes to Harrison Goddard, the number nine for the Giltinis. Uh, when his name was announced as a signing, really got my attention because he's a young player with Super Rugby uh, experience and ambitions. But uh, what a live wire and what a player he was for LA this weekend, Pete. Oh, um, love watching him play. Like, um, um, the, the quality of nines in this competition is pretty high. We've got Danny Chisatala, we've got Andy Ellis, we've got Nate Osberger, and, you know, Harrison is as good and, and probably right now playing better than any of them. Yeah, he is outstanding. Well, let's, let's not stand on ceremony. Let's bring the man himself into the show. LA Giltini's number nine, Harrison Goddard. All right, we are joined now by MLR Player of the Week for Week 2. It's the LA Giltini Scrum Hub. Harrison Goddard, Big H, welcome to the show, brother. How are you holding up now uh, in, in Los Angeles? Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, going well. Um, settling in pretty nicely here. It's going, uh, the team's doing well, and I'm loving it here. So, um, yeah, everything's going well. 
Now, you're a young man still in your early 20s, uh, spent some time with the Rebels. At any time with the Melbourne Rebels, did you ever think you'd be doing training camp in Maui, Hawaii, and then playing at the Coliseum? Never. Never thought that at all. I uh, I actually missed out in Maui. I, I didn't get oh, the... Uh, sorry. Sorry. Uh, you, you're not the first to do that. I'm, I'm being a bit a bit jealous of, of what happened over there. But, yeah, no, nah, it's been good. Um, I never thought I'd be playing at the Coliseum. I mean... Last week's game with the pitch was amazing. Like the grass and that, um, and the history of it is pretty sick. So, um, no, I'm fortunate to be in this in this situation. Um, LA, I never thought I'd be in LA playing footy when I was 22. So, um, no, I'm loving it. It's awesome. So, you know, you, you had some super rugby in the super rugby system back in Australia, came over yep. to the US. What What's your impression been so far two weeks into MLR? What's your impression of, of the quality of play? And um, how did that meet your expectations? Um, yeah, pretty good. I, I think it's an awesome level. I've been watching it the last two years. Um, I had some mates that have been playing over here with different teams and I've been keeping a good eye on it over the last couple of years. Um, our first trial against Austin, I thought I, it was fast, it was physical um, and I was blown in the first 20 minutes. So I thought it was a very high, high, high level. Um, and yeah, I think the results are showing. Like there's no clear favourites, there's no... Um, different games are different uh, points, so high points and low points. So I think the game's in the right direction. Um, but for me, I think it's a great standard um, and it's only going to get better. Now, you talked about how you watched some games back in Australia. Can you talk a little bit about how, like, what people think about MLR and what the following is? Have you heard from people back home? Like, are they watching your games? Obviously, on the rugby network, they can watch them yeah. live, whatever live is in Australia, probably like sometime in crazy morning times. But have you have you heard anything from um, how you guys are doing and, and, and uh, um, any feedback yeah. from the guys that are watching back home? Um, yeah, well, when I was in Australia watching it last year, I think there was a lot of, uh, was a lot of following. Like when I was in Super, with the Rebels, um, a lot of people were watching it on their phones and, um, you know, Bit of chat was like, oh, I'd love to play here, love to play over there. Um, so I think, yeah, I don't know, just the 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 way people look at the, the MLR is a fast, up tempo game. Um, and yeah, people who've been watching it, messaging me in the first two weeks of this round of this comp, um, you know, they want to get here too. They, I've got a few mates that are like, well, I want to come in and have a crack at it, and um, and yeah, the, the jealous that I'm in LA because they they've always wanted to come here too. So. Uh, yeah, I think it's a great standard, and I think um, it's only going to get better, as I said. And you're pretty well prepared, obviously, playing in front of no fans there, uh, no fans in the Coliseum. You're pretty used to that environment. <laughs> what do you mean? Why is that? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Rebels fans, they're a passionate bunch. Don't come after me. Yeah, Don't come after me. Hey, listen, there's a great thing out of the Rocky Balboa movie where Max Kellerman, he's a boxing commentator. He's like, I can't believe I grew up watching Rocky fights. You know, it's fictional, of course, but you grew up watching Matt Gitto, Adam Ashley Cooper, through your whole up for the Wallabies. How real is like that first game when you're in the dressing room and you look across and you're like, yeah, well, that's Matt Gitto, that's Adam Ashley Cooper, and I'm about to go play with these two guys I grew up watching. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. I, um, yeah, I think I was about, six or seven when I first started watching Gits and Swoop play. Um, and so, yeah, I, I showed the photo I, yeah. I put on Instagram. I've showed him that right before kickoff. And he was like, what the, his jaw dropped in. I said, oh, no way. I can't believe that. Um, I think I was only 11 at the time. And I remember it. I, I 
we're watching, yeah, I think they were versing the Chiefs. And, um, yeah, I was too shy to go over to him. And mum grabbed me by my collar and said, you got to go to the photo. You never know what happens. you got to go over there and say hello. So, thankfully, I listened to my mum. Always got to listen to your mum. So, um, yeah, it's pretty cool to put the photo next to that. And, um, yeah, it's awesome to play and learn off those two and other people in the team. Um, uh, and, yeah, it's been, it's been working so far. Uh, I have, I have, Dan, sorry, sorry just a, yeah, just a quick follow-up as a scrum half. So as a scrum half, yeah. you know, you always listen to your fly half, but sometimes the fly half wants the ball, but you don't give it yeah. to him because you want to do something else. Has that happened yet or pretty much <laughs> when gets asked for the ball, you give it to him? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's sort of a funny one. When, I, when he wants the ball, I'll give it to him. I'll make sure he wants it. Otherwise, he'll spray me or, or whatever. But um, if I see something, I'm, I'm more than... Happy to, to overcall that. I think that's a, a good partnership. You've got to trust each other's game and you've got to trust um, how you communicate. So um, if he wants it, I'm, uh, I'm going to give it to him. But yeah, I'll, I'm happy to overcall anything or if the forwards are coming through. So um, let's talk a little bit about the first two games. Obviously, you know, um, no, you weren't in Hawaii. So you're, you're no. hitting the ground running. Talk a little bit about yeah. what, what you've been happy about for the first two game first two games and what you um like think you might, you know, the Giltinis need to work on um going into week three. Um yeah, it's been pretty good. I think um probably uh, what's let us down firstly is just maybe just our um a little bit of our exiting and our, our skills. I think um the first two games I sort of noticed like we haven't built much phases past, you know, seven or eight phases, like that good quality flow um, footy past eight phases. Um, either penalties, just being ill-disciplined or just don't get silly mistakes. I think that's cost us a fair bit. Um, but what's been working well, I think we've been, we've been um, when we do get the ball quick, we're, we're going fast um, and we're, you know, we're playing that up-tempo footy, as I said. Um, but as long as we stay ill-disciplined, I think that's what's key to, to putting points on the board. Let's talk about uh, some of the teammates that have impressed you as well. Obviously, hat-trick of tries for the weekend is good, and we know there's some big names in LA, but some of the, the local guys that have jumped out to you since you've been here? Yeah, there's been a few. There's been, been lots. Um, Brian James got his crack on the weekend, RJ, and he, he went well. Um, he's fast and nippy. Um, my muscles is doing well on the wing too. Um, big ball runner. Um, as I said, there's lots of there's lots of talent here, um, and everyone's going to get their time. Everyone's going to get their their limelight to to play in front of the crowd, and um, it's only going to go from there. But yeah, I think I think the standard's going to go well, um, and yeah. So let's uh, um, <clears throat> let's get into your play. Right. Um, obviously, into a new league. Um, how have you? How do you think you've adjusted? And um, uh, what's it been like? You know. So we talk a lot about the backs, right? Yeah. In uh, um, in in LA, but actually, like your future is really driven by what the forwards do. So talk a little yeah. bit about you know your relationship with the pack, which is obviously really important, and how you think you're doing in terms of leading that group as a relatively young guy. Yeah, our, our four pack's pretty. It's pretty experienced. Um, lots of old heads there. Lots of knowledge. A lot of games under their belt. So, yeah, for me, I'm just trying to get comfortable with learning each, how each other play. Um, 
the league's pretty different. Like I feel like it's very not strict, but it's very um, you know, the refs are very cautious in how they play the rules uh, around the ruck, especially. So I've got to learn how to um, be on the ref's good side sort of thing. Um, there's a few rule changes dif- that have been different as well. So, um, yeah, I suppose learning each other's, uh, learning the forward pack, how they play, um, and, and just having the confidence to, to speak up when I need to. If they're, not, if they're not cleaning the ruck or if they're not giving me a good ball, I need to have the confidence to pipe up. And, and that's what's really key for a halfback, I think. I, I've been... Fortunate enough to learn off Willie G and, and some good halfbacks. Um, and, yeah, that's what they've told me. Just be confident in everything you do. Um, and, yeah, if you, if you want to spray the forward, spray him sort of thing. So, yeah. Right, mate, let's do a little bit of quick fire about your teammates now, okay? Uh, yeah. Let's the social media platforms. Who's, who's the Instagram hero and then the Instagram zero? So you got a couple think, of good ones. I know Mixie yeah. and, and McNulty love their Instagram, but yeah, who's, who's Numero Uno? And who's the guy on the team who thinks that they've got a great Instagram? It's a tough one. Um, definitely Mixie loves it. He loves a good rig out the photo. He loves putting the beaches up and and that. Um, oh, he's not good on social media. Um, put me on the spot here. I'll go to the top. It has to be Mixie. Mixie is definitely up there. Um, Is I'm trying to think now. Um, he's not good. Jeez, I don't know. My hair's a bit of a. My hair See, Dan, we we heard Harrison was a really nice guy, and it's just showing up here now. Using to rag on any of his teammates. So let's give him another question where it's a little bit easier. Aaron is the kind of think he's not good. <laughs> let's get let's get the second question. Um, all right, all right. You, you've, you've opened up uh, Goddard's import-export business. What are the three things that you've experienced in the US that you would like to take back home to Australia? What? Object? What do you mean? Objects or something? Mate, it's your business, Anything. Harrison. You tell drinks, objects, Ooh. something that you've seen in the US. You're like, yeah, it could be food. Could that be- would do well. Yeah, I tell you what, I had I had a uh, Oreo thick shake last night, and it was unreal. I, I, we don't have them in Australia. The Oreo thick shakes. I think I got it from Chick Fil A. Don't tell our S and C. I won't. Up a little bit, even though this is live. Um, yeah, it was amazing. I, I, we don't have that in Australia. The Oreo thick shakes. So probably that's probably the one. Um, well, I don't know what else is there. It's, I've really it, done. Yeah, I don't know. yeah, it's hard in COVID times, right? Because in COVID times, yeah, exactly, you don't yeah. get to go out and do some of the things that you would normally do, yeah. especially especially in LA. I've never yeah, had an Oreo thick shake. I'm sure Dan has. Uh, really? I, tell, I tell you, Harrison, I'll, I'll blow your mind here. Next time you go to Chick Fil A, frosted lemonade. It'll it'll change your world. Frosted lemonade, right? I'll put that in. Yeah, but I, after what? after this cool down, I don't think Harrison's going to be allowed to go to Chick Fil A. What's <laughs> <laughs> well, the SNC is about sneak it. Out. All right, so that's what that's one. That's it. You're just taking a thick shake back with you. I, mate, I, I'd take you plenty back. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just trying to think. I, I honestly haven't even done that much since I've been here. All I've done is play golf, train, and um, eat okay, food, I, really. Let's, let's yeah. talk about golf. Who, who's the number one golfer in the team? Number one golfer. Um, for, I played with Meeks. Meeks is, oh, I've played with Meeks before. Meeks is pretty good. Meeks, he's got a great driver. 
short games need a bit of work. I'm trying to teach him how to chip. Um, is Mixy single? The way you're talking about him, I, t- I might no, have to run not. at him if he's not. Oh, next no, time. Nice. You should slide into his DMs. You'll love that. Um, <laughs> who else is good? Um, DCH, he's pretty good. He's going well. Um, and O'Reni, our, our bats coach, he's, he's a pretty good player too. Yeah. Are you the best though? Are you, are you the, the top of the lot? Oh like, yeah, I'm, I'm the best all around. But okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> who, who's the guy who who, uh, who gets one birdie around and starts giving advice to everyone? And then the guy in the locker room is like, "No, nah, your hips are a little slow. You're not getting through the ball." Pro who's actually terrible. You're not very. Um, you just like, I don't want to. I don't want to touch this. Um, I don't know. I've who's not sure. I tell you what, Nathan Van Height, the moose, our second row, he's uh he played I played one round with him last week. Um he's too tall to even reach the clubs, but yeah, yeah, he was trying to he was trying to tell me how to hit the ball over the over the dam and um basically yeah, it's pretty average. I, I I've got I got a question, Dan. So um you know, unfortunately the, you know, you have an upcoming game to you know, you're gonna play Atlanta, um, but they've yeah. cancelled all the flights, so you have to drive. Who's your teammate that um, you would want to take that road trip? It's like a couple of days. And who's the yeah. teammate that you definitely wouldn't and why for both of them? Okay. Uh, definitely wouldn't. I will say Lindsey Stevens. He scares me how he drives, definitely. He's not a very good driver at all. <laughs> all right. Um, who else is there? I definitely wouldn't go with Mahe. I, drew, I drove with Mahe for the first time yesterday. On um on the roads here. It's my first time driving on the on the right side, and um yeah, it was very different. He, he he was falling asleep. I was trying to get directions from him, and he wouldn't he wouldn't stay awake to tell me where I was going. Um, <laughs> and probably I probably DTH is safe. He he's a he's he's a father and he's a family man. He's very safe, so definitely DTH. Well, Harrison, thank you so much for joining us on MLR Kickoff. Um, Dan and I are both huge fans. We love watching you play. Myself as a former scrum half. We, we have a few pretty good scrum halves in the league right now, but you're definitely yeah. up there with the rest of them. Um, good luck with the rest of the season and hopefully we'll see you again soon. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. And there we go. But uh, yeah, again, I, I just think that this is going to be a great pathway for guys like that. We saw Rich Asiata already. And we mentioned that, but I just think there's going to be more and more eyes on the game here in the USA, especially globally as, as we grow. And already, I mean, um, the, the game on Saturday night was on Sky Sports in New Zealand. Like yep. I, nothing really announced, but it was on Sky Sports. Like I was getting uh, messages from, from James Patterson, who worked the game, saying, I'm getting ribbed by all my former teammates from you know, Highlanders teammates who are like, we're at the gym and you're on TV. What's going on? And how how bad is your hair? Uh, <laughs> but how it's just crazy. Like, uh, you know, we've got young guys like Harrison coming over here and, and trying to springboard their career again. You know, what, what I hear from a lot of these young guys is that they want to play, right? And so I think the challenge with someone like Harrison is that um, he's good enough to make it into a super rugby squad. But is he good? Like he's probably maybe not quite experienced enough to get to play. And so a lot of these young guys are like, "Hey, if I'm in my like early mid twenties, I don't want to spend my time sitting on the bench. I want to go play rugby. And guess what? I can go play rugby in LA, right? I can get 
an apartment, you know, I can live in LA on the beach and I can play good rugby and I know I'll play. And I think that for a lot of these guys, people, you know, I think one of the interesting things, and it's one of the challenges that Australia have, right? So in, in New Zealand, you've got the Mitre 10 that's high quality. Even the club rugby in Australia is, is, is so strong that, there's, that, that, that there are quality players there. In, in Australia, it's, there's not as much depth, right? So it's, you know, and there's probably, I think, less of a tradition of guys that are in sort of like the Rebels or the Brumbies going back and playing club rugby. And so, you know, you don't want to go a season without playing very much. And people forget that someone like Harrison, who's 22, is still developing. And the way that he gets better is by playing. So I think it's great to bring him over here. I think he's going to have a great experience. He's going to definitely add to the league. Yeah, it sounds like he's having fun, like even with, with COVID in the way. And yep. um, to, to his girlfriend listening at home, it's all good. You know, we Pete tried to lead him astray. He was telling him about all the dating apps. And Harrison's like, no, Professor, no. I've got someone at home. You, you back off. So I'm kidding to Harrison. I, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I met my wife like three months before Tinder came out. Like, I, I don't know what dating apps are. So like, I've never experienced that. Thank God. They're terrifying. You don't want anything to do it. All right, mate, let's go into the professor's tactics. So now we're going out of the lab. We're going down onto the field. The professor's pulling on the coaching hat. Let's talk the professor's tactics, Pete. Yeah, so, so two things we want to talk about today. Um, so one is windy games. And I don't know about you, Dan, but wind, I would prefer to play in snow, right? Yep. Wind affects the game more than any other element, right? It can be wet. It can be dry. It can be hot. Not such a big difference because it's the same for everyone. But wind will give one team a, an advantage over the other. Now, a couple of things about windy games. A wind at your back is great to play territory, but it's harder to run with the ball because when you make the pass, the ball drifts away from the receiver, right? That's why when you'll see wind in the face, people are running the ball not only because it's hard to kick, territory becomes less important, but because it's easier to run. I think what we saw in a couple of games so far this year is that people have not used the wind effectively, right? So what you want to do is the wind at your back. You don't want to like let them get out of their half and you want to pressure them at the set piece and you want to pressure them in defense and you know you're going to play without the ball in that half, right? Wind in your face, don't kick the ball, right? Use that wind to your advantage, right? Play, play with the ball as much as you can and adjust your kicks. You'll see a lot more driving kicks or chip kicks, right? You can still get some of that territory, but you want them to be more attacking. Basically, hold on to the ball as much as you can. The other thing I would say, Dan, is wind in your face, make it what we call a short half, right? Do up your shoelaces, like take a knee, right? Create as much dead time as you possibly can to make sure that you, like, that you get an advantage with the amount of time. How did, how did you like playing in the wind, Dan? I actually, I actually played in a golf fundraiser yesterday and the wind was so bad that we were talking this exact point about wind. And I'm like, problem with wind, especially as a kicker, even if you kick a great ball, yep. the wind will ruin it straight yep. away. So it take, it's an intangible that you just don't want in your game. And uh, I think mentally is probably one of the hardest things too, Pete, because yeah. you're like, God, this wind and you know, you're running into it. Just mentally you feel like drained because like I'm running into this wind and I know it was really bad in the Houston, New England game. Yeah. So yeah, as a guy kicked as well. No, no, thank you. Well, I think, he's, I think he's, yeah. a, he's a weird thing for you, Pete. Sorry to interrupt you there. Yeah. 
when I transitioned over to the NFL, I actually preferred kicking into the wind as opposed because when you're kicking with the wind at your back, the ball won't turn over. The wind just pushes the tail of the ball and it, and it floats. So it can go further, but you don't get any hang time. So whenever I had like a tryout, I'd always try to or get myself into the breeze because then you can kick it up and it'll float and it flutters into the breeze. So your hang time's better. There you go. Yeah, look and at I'm that. trying to go that's, to the NFL. Yeah, that's great stuff. Great stuff. Like, like, and I would actually say probably one of the things that we haven't seen enough of in windy conditions is the like up and under, which is a high short kick, which is difficult to field in the wind. Right. Yeah. So, so, so you do have the advantage, right? Wind in your face to be able to kick the ball, drive it into the wind and the wind will hold it up. Right. So you've really got to drive it. It makes it difficult. It's hard to do as box kicks, but tens can do it. Right. Mm -hmm. You can really drive it and know it's, it's, it isn't, it isn't going to go. The other thing with the wind at your back as a kicker that you've got to be really careful of is you don't want to kick the ball dead. And what that means is you want to kick the ball through the try zone and out the back. Cause then it's a scrum all the way back from where you kicked it. Right. And, and those forwards aren't happy when they look, they see the ball go dead. They turn around and they like start running by you and you kicked it dead and you just lost like 80 meters. They're not happy to run back to their 22. So don't do that. I never did. So um, the next tactic we're going to talk about is we're going to talk a little bit about the um, new scrum offside law for the number nine. And one of the things that I've seen a little bit, you've seen a little bit from DC, but not as much as I would think so early in the game, is using the number eight as your scrum half. Okay, so if you think about the way teams defend in um, from a scrum, what they do is they defend in pairs. So seven and eight cover one side and nine and six cover the other. And the attack always has an advantage because the defense has to have a fullback, at least one fullback back to cover the kick. Right. And so that means the attack always has an extra pair of hands. And the way that you cover that is you use your back row to take that extra pair of hands away. But now with the number nine now, now and, and that's traditionally been used, right. Going to the right, when you have a short side and you add the 15 and the 14, right. And you, they, there's only one winger to defend. And that's where the eight hits the nine. The um, eight gets the seven, nine takes the eight, and you still hold the two on one. Okay, so that's a classic, right? It's blindside, every fullback loves it, every number nine loves it, but now you can do it to the other side. So now on the other side, what you have is the ability for the eight to pass to the nine as the first receiver. You actually add a pair of hands with the nine playing as the scrum half, and you can do that on both sides. So this now means that the attacking back line should have two extra pairs of hands. Now it's gonna be really, really difficult for defenses to, to cover that. So I think as you go through this season with this offside law, what you should see is more line breaks happening from the scrum directly right? Not as launch plays. Often you'll see what we call launch plays, which is sort of like the 12 getting over the gain line so people can get into their shape. But innovative coaches are going to be able to use that eight, nine combination going both ways to add an extra pair of hands to that attacking bat line, which means it's going to be very, very difficult for the defense to be able to hold. 
Yeah, so the, put, flip it around for me now. Talk from a defensive strategy. How do you, uh, how do you handle that? Oh, like, like great point, Dan. So I think, right, the way that I would do this is, you know, there's, there's um, sort of like this idea of like first degree burns and third degree burns, right? <laughs> right. And so yeah. the idea is that from a scrum, do you want to have a first degree burn or a third degree burn, right? So do you want to let them get some go forward near the scrum where you've got a lot of defensive cover, right? Or are you going to let them have the space out wide? And if you have the space out wide and they make the breakout there, it's a try, right? So it depends a little bit on your philosophy about how you want to defend. But I would say generally what I think you'll see is you'll see the back row slide, the back row slide and give that eight a little bit of space, try and get that eight to go into the space right next to the scrum and let the back row on the other side come over, right? So I said mm. they defend in pairs, but the eight on the blind side could come over and get to that eight, even though they have to come across the scrum. They're going to give up the game line, but that they'll be able to cover that, that, first, um, uh, that first hit. And it's actually a really scrappy place to try and get fast ball. There'll be a lot of people around there. You'll probably Still get tied up forwards in coming yep. in. Everything kind of gets tied up. That's certainly a way that, that, that I would do it. But I think that a lot is now going to put a lot of pressure on the defensive nine. Yeah. Right. And the defensive nine is going to have to kind of play like the fly half. You might even see the nines drop back and be standing in the line with the, uh, um, you know, next to the 10 and just saying, hey, we're going to we're going to let our back row do that. They'll be even the eight's going to have to read what's going on. Right. I think, you know, it's going to make some of the defensive decision making um, really interesting. Yeah. And, and then communication is going to be key, right? Like that nine, if he pulls back. He's going to have to tell the eight left or right where, yep. where you're going and then any change of direction. So if you have the, like you said, the eight jumps out and now you've got the extra set of hands, the nine actually plays a switch play back to the blind, hits the flat ball to the 15, yep. 15 yep. down the blade. Mate, it, what, what a time and what an opportunity to be a set piece coach and look at these scenarios. Yeah, no, and- I think, I think like, and, that, and that's what I mean. Look, it's early, right? We're in the preseason. You want to get your fundamentals down, but I bet, We'll see it. And like I said, we've seen it a little bit with um, uh, James, Jameson Fernando Schultz. Like he's a, he's a good ball playing eight. And we've seen it with him taking the ball and being the playmaker from the base going both ways. Um, yeah. I think that we'll see more of that from, um, from the teams as they go forward once they get comfortable with some of their fundamentals. Uh, we did. We need a sponsor for Fesh's Tactics. This was, this was outstanding. This was some high level, high IQ stuff. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Get hit the comment section and let us know how much you enjoyed it and what you want the Pete. Uh, what do we want with the Pete, the professor, yeah, Pete. to dive into? Because uh, I, I took a lot away from that, mate. But let's let's focus on this week's games coming up because uh, you you're back in the box. You're back on the road. You've got the, the hall pass and you're going to be doing a game. Uh, I'll I'll start with your game first because it's Saturday night and I want people to watch this on FS2. You have the Legion taking on rugby ATL. I, these are two quality teams that haven't played well. So I'm excited to yeah. see what they're going to do this weekend. Yeah, it will, it will be both one and one and uh, Legion on the road though. Uh, they've left the confines of Las Vegas and they're uh, heading to rugby ATL. Uh, Saturday at 4.30 Eastern, it's our CBS sports game of the week. It's Utah on the road to New England. That's your uh, game, right? 
It is. Yep, I'll be doing this one. Funny enough, we'll be sitting right across from each other. Um, I, I'll be done by then. I'll come over and be like throwing stuff at you and, and doing things to distract you and get you to giggle online because that's just, you know, the kind of person that I am. It, that is the kind of person you are. Yeah, I know. It terrible. Is, yeah. Actually, what I will do is I'll go and get a big old feed and just sit there and eat while you can't eat. And then I'll be like, oh, I'm just going to go to the, go use the restroom because I can get up and walk away now. And No, but this will be a good one. I think we figure out, is Utah the real deal? Are they a team that everyone has to take seriously? And, and New England finally get a home game after yeah, two years. That's right. This is like this is a big deal, right? New England, the Free Jets get a home home game. Um, I think it's going to be exciting for them. Um, you know, I think that I think yeah, I, I I I'm excited to see these games. I think we're doing the picks a little bit later, right? We are. We're doing a little bit. How excited Eric Anderson going to be to see a deposit oh gosh, in, in the like bank account instead of another years. withdrawal? Yeah, years in the making, years in the making. What's uh, the weather supposed to be like up there? Uh, Boston in April. No idea. No yeah, idea. That, I think that, the Northeast that, is pretty true. unpredictable. So yeah. uh, let's move on. Half an hour later um, on the Rugby Network, TSN up in Canada, NBC uh, Southwest, not Southwest. What's the SW stand for? It's NBC. It's in DC area. You guys will figure it out. Uh, Toronto taking on Old Glory. Man, this is a huge game. Oh, oh, glory with the draw and a win. Toronto, 0 and 2. Pete, yeah, 0 and 3, Toronto. 0 and 3 in a conference system. Oh, you, we'll talk about it in the picks, but man, it's, it's a stark reality at this point in time. So, Saturday night, 7 p.m. Eastern is the San Diego Atlanta game that Pete will be doing. Uh, I think you're with uh, Big Ben Holden. Yep, excited to be doing some work with Ben. Good dude. Good dude, Ben Holden. You're going to love him. He's a, he's a good guy. Uh, you could sit there and just talk sports with him all day. He's a fascinating guy, so you'll enjoy that. Saturday, also 8 p.m., the late game, and the last game of the week is Houston at Austin. The Texas Cup pew, pew, is on the line. The Gilgronis, the uh, defending Texas Cup champs, taking on the Sabercats. 0-2 Austin, the AGs, and then 1-1 one one Houston. So... Uh, big game coming up for both these sides. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, look, I, I think we've said these, I, you know, I think I said at the start of the season, the first three games are preseason games. So we won't really know where teams are until week four. We've got a couple of teams that are having buys, right, in, in, in week three. So they'll be able to do some work on the training pitch. I mean, I, I don't think people realize how little time guys train um, in the professional environment. They'll, they'll train less than the average rugby clubs. They'll train less than four hours a week on the pitch because it's really just about recovery. And so mm-hmm. in your bye week, you get a chance to push a little bit more and work a little bit more. So I think, I think that'll, be, uh, that'll be good. But yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Austin 0-2, I mean, that's not a bad team, right? That's a team that's played some good stuff. And I think, you know, it's probably been a little bit unlucky. Um, Houston, you know, won their first game, looked terrible in the second game. Who knows what's going to happen? So um, exciting games, all of these. All right. It's time for the power matchup of the week. Oh, 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 oh there you go. We're going to get a sound effect eventually. I'm, I'm going to find a sponsor or something, some electrical company or something like that is going to sponsor this and put give me a, a, a sound bite there. But all right, I'll, I'll go first because uh, I, I just want to go first. My power matchup of the week is going to be actually in your game, Pete. It's going to be Joe Peterson versus the unfortunate soul-wearing 10 for Rugby ATL. Joe Peterson is so good. He's like 
Do you know how you just have like um, Mr. Miyagi and the Karate Kid? And you think you look at him and you're like, hey, he's got nothing. I'm going to destroy him. But he's just, he's the master. And he just defeats everyone. That's Joe Peterson. He's so good. He's so experienced. He can just see a game and know what's going to happen. Can ATL figure out a way to outmastermind the mastermind? Oh, I mean, I mean, it's 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 interesting. I think that um, what I would say is that Joe Peterson's strength right like now is game management. Right, he's he's not the guy that he even was um, early on in the season, um, in the sense that he's a uh, um, sorry, not only sorry early on in the MLR. I don't think he quite has the. Um, uh, he quite has the, the zip. Uh, yeah, the zip, right? I don't think I don't think he quite has the zip that he used to have, but I think that um, you know he's definitely a a game manager, and you know I think it's going to be interesting because really it, the matchup isn't the two tens; it's really the matchup of um, Joe Peterson and the back three, right of rugby ATL. So. Um, Talapusi at fullback is going to be import, important. Um, Misalanu, uh, the missile at 14, if he stays at 14, and um, Van Voot, right? Those guys, if, if that's the lineup, it's also hard to predict that. That was the lineup in the last game. I think that um, that'll be a very, very interesting, um, a very interesting matchup, I think. Yeah. So, what about your power matchup of the week? Or are you just going to jump on board with mine? So... You know, it's it's. I, I was thinking about the sevens, right? To that 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 would go up against each other, um, but actually, I think this 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 matchup is going to be the two front rows, right? Both both front rows struggled, right? It's difficult to know what the lineups are because both both teams um, rotated, uh, but I think the um, the mat. You know, this game I think will be won in the front row. Um, of San Diego, Atlanta. So I'm sticking with the same game that you are. Before. I'm not sure if I said that, but it's going to be San Diego and Atlanta. And I think it's the front rows. These these are two front rows that have struggled, two scrums that have struggled. And I think the power matchup is going to be in the front rows. Okay. All right. Let's bring our buddy from, he's, he's in his, uh, in, in the basement. He's been crunching numbers all day, just working through trigonometry and, and uh, ergonometry and, or other ometries that you can possibly imagine. Stat boy, come on in. How are we doing? Uh, so a couple, a uh, couple things that uh, we went through this weekend. I was asked to uh, punch some numbers. Who? I have a question. This is sort of a quiz. Yeah. You guys have to think. We Who buzz in, or it's just like it's. We both answer. You both answer. I mean, okay. I, I think I, I gave you guys a hint earlier in the day. Um, who is the most capped MLR player? Oh. Not the professor, not the professor. <laughs> and, uh, uh, how many caps does he have? I guess uh, it's, you know, it's uh, Eric Duchel. Eric Duchel. 34 starts. 30, 34 caps. Yeah. 34 caps. He missed one game so far in Major League Rugby. See, I, I knew it was going to be a Seattle player because they played in the finals every year. Yeah. I just didn't know. Uh, and, I was thinking like Seattle Matt Turner. 30, right. Yeah, it could be Matt Turner. But Matt Turner, I think, had an injury. for Matt Turner a has bit. 33. Um, so he is close. So he is because uh, he is tied with Rook Windsor as the uh, next ah, cap. Yeah. yeah, 
So the reason I asked is I was like, it's going to be cool when we get to celebrate our first 50 game MLR player. That's just like, it's a great milestone, right? Usually like the hundred game is a big one, but we're right. going to obviously 50 hit that first and that'd be, that'd be pretty cool. Eric, Eric Duchel's what, 34? He'll be, 33, that's the other thing. Re- retirement's going to probably catch yeah, a lot it's of gonna this, be this like, initial like, class. Be hard. Um, Matt Turner and and Sam Windsor also. Not sure that they're going to like, you know, so that's getting probably what, halfway through next season? Yep. Um, yeah, so, yeah, you're right. And then, I, I mean, uh, I, no, hold on. If 30, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think Eric would have to play two games, right? So if they played in the semifinals and finals this year, yeah, that would that can, would get him. He can to, get there. Eight, 18 can games get there. total. He can get there. Um, so the next um, thing, this is, you know, I, I really talk about the draft and how college rugby actually builds MLR ready players. We had 14 um, total now in the first two rounds, uh, 2020 U.S. collegiate products, either as undrafted free agents, call 2020 U.S. college draft or 2020 supplemental college draft, because that happened, um, have gotten capped. Um, and then we also had, I think he's be, I think it, we would call him a homegrown player, but a player out of Harvard, uh, Gavin Prentice got his cap this, uh, this week. And then, uh, there was also two true rookies that, uh, are Canadians, uh, that have gotten their caps. Uh, the one latest, uh, being Fraser Hurst, uh, at Utah this week. Um, it's called a good try. So, what a try. What a moving, try of the week. Yeah, that was. I mean, that was shared by World Rugby. That got some. That got some great hits. You know, picks. Say, let's go look at our picks. Um, let's not look at our picks. Let's just talk so, about the upcoming. Uh, picks. Here's let's your not update. Look at our picks. Here's your update. Don't 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 look at the picks. The professor won the wooden spoon for the league this week. That's your update. That's all you need to know. That's all. I need uh, to I'll let you guys I, I pick. Like to point out that this week's game. I waited. And maybe this was my mistake. I waited to see selections. And in particular, I looked at the selection of the halfback um, for Nola, right? So I thought Stevens would needed to be selected and, and um, it was Hunger and Younger, sorry. And then I looked at the movement of um, Danny Tusatala from Scrum Half to Fly Half. And I said, oh, those are, you know, I don't like those selections. I'm going to pick against those guys. And at halftime, I was right. But both of those coaches were smart enough to make adjustments, and they won the second half. So, so I feel like I feel like I'm somewhat justified in those picks. But man, I had a bad week. Yeah, you did. How about Natty Boyface? You went up 13 position, number two. So, where are you? What's your position? Scary Larry Rugby, number one. I'm coming for you, pal. I'm coming for you. <laughs> I don't think I'm uh, coming for anyone. Like I've got a few weeks. That I've got to dig myself out of this hole. I dropped down number no eighth. I'm in the top 10, but I dropped down to eighth. I got uh, I'm in the top 44 because we have 44 players on, in the league. <laughs> you hey, I think people can still join. So, so yeah, I mean we you can with... still you can still join. I, I did tell uh JT Anyet, president of the Sabercats, um, to not ask me to pick a Houston Sabercats game because I'm gonna get it wrong every time. That doesn't matter. So to make you feel a little better, Pete, you did have a bad week, but you're not as bad as Stat Boy who's 38th out of 42, you're sitting at 26, but you dropped 17 places. 17 places. It was a so bad week. Quite quite the drop. Only Sonny Rugby, he dropped 26, was uh, had a worse week than you. So find out who Sonny Rugby is, give him a call. You guys can start like a self-help group. Maybe you can like swap wooden spoons to each other at the end of the year or something. All right, I don't all know. Right, all right. All right. Picks. 
Utah. If there's one thing worse than a bad loser, it's a bad it's a, loser. It's a bad, but I'm not winning. That's the worst part. I even fell down. I just can't help myself. All right, Utah at New England. Pete, you go first. I, I am on the Sean Pittman Utah bandwagon. They played great oh. rugby. They moved the ball. I am 100% committed. This is a new Utah. They are going to be consistent. They've got a good scrum. Um, they have a good defense. Um, Shorty's playing great. I am 100% on Utah. All right, Utah fans, when they, uh, when they lose this weekend, Pete Steinberg. That's Pete, P-E-T-E, Steinberg. <laughs> All right, well, no, we have two points. points. We've got to do yeah. points. So I, I, I like New England too. Um, I, think, um, I, think, I think New England are a quality outfit, but I think this will be Utah 32, New England 24. Yeah, I think it'll be close. It's going to be great to see New England at home finally. Like, really, I know that's a great fan base up there. They're really well supported. Season ticket holders finally get a chance to watch their team. They've got a COVID capacity sellout, I believe, at this point. If they don't, they're extremely close to a COVID capacity sellout. So uh, there'll be it'll be noisy. It'll be ruckus. I'm calling the game, so I won't make a pick. Boom, on the fence. All right. Toronto at DC. I'll start with this one. Uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens with the 9-10 combo here. Do you, do you put Danny back at 9? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know? You put Danny back 100%. at 9 and you have Mike Dubalas at 10 who I thought really stepped up and yeah. played well. Like, Where did Mike go like to school again, Pete? Like Where did he go to school again? He went to school at Penn State. There you go, Penn State. He's met his quota for the show. He said it five times, which is what his Penn State quota is every show. Uh, I do, I'm going to go DC. I, I can't believe I'm going to go against Toronto to be 0-3 to start the season, but um, they just didn't look like Toronto. They had, they had some energy in the second half there for a bit, but, man, I, I just see you know, the I'm, fact that you're stationed in Atlanta for the whole year. I, I, I feel bad for them, and I just I don't know what it's going to take to turn them around. So I'll so, go DC so I, by I'm, eight. I'm wondering if Toronto's gotten better from last year. When, the, when all the other teams, I think, have. I think con- Toronto, for the first couple of years of their existence, has been about consistency. Like, same players, same coaches. And I'm wondering if they didn't upgrade in some areas. They were loyal to the players that were, were good last year. I, I don't know. It kind of feels like that. Like I said, it's a bit of a preseason. The question is, can Toronto really snap out of it? You know, DC look good. They've got like a great mole defense, which is really important in this league. Um, you know, they've got some really exciting outside backs. You know, it's it's a tough one, but I think I'm with you, Dan. I like I think right now all the evidence points to DC. I think it's DC. What's what's your points for DC? I'll go, I'll go eight point differential. I'll go uh 34 26. So I actually think this is going to be a really close, tight game. I think it's going to be a little messy. I think DC wins 18-15. Yeah. Toronto are missing the three M's, mate. Malcolm, McKenzie, and Moore. Yep. I mean, there's a lot of experience there, and there's a lot of things that they all brought to the team that I think they're missing. All right. uh, San Diego, Atlanta, you can't do this one, so I'll jump on this grenade for you. Uh, That's a tough road trip uh, from from Vegas to Atlanta but uh, for the Legion. I think ATL, like I said earlier, are going to find their rhythm. And I think they'll get a win at home here. I think this will be a tight game as well. San Diego just 
to me, just I know you said you thought they were the better team against Austin. I, I'm the actual opposite way. I thought Austin was the better team and San Diego were lucky that they just had a couple opportunities they made the most off to win that game. Um, I don't think ATL will let them get away with it at home. So I'll go ATL. Tight game again. I'll go 24 to 14. What's the, uh, what's the news on Chris Robshaw? Uh, I think this is his last week out. Okay. I'm not sure. Actually, Stat Boy might know because Barbarians game. Should be next. Should be after next game. Yeah, that's what I thought. Oh, I thought okay. it was so, so it was five. So it was five. And so one a- of the Harlequins games counted. Okay. So you missed a Quinn's game, the Barber, the Barber's game. Oh, the Barber's got then- cancelled. That's why. Uh, so it was four was MLR it four? games. Four. Okay. Yeah. Is it four of them? Pretty sure. Yeah, he's he's out at least this week. So if he's on a team sheet next Thursday, I'll let you know. Yeah, well, thanks. Thanks. We'll, we won't be able to look at it ourselves. <laughs> All right, uh, Pete, you're gonna have to go first on this one. Though. Oh, but I mean, I mean, I'm not like I'll go first. No, it's Austin. Um, it's Houston at Austin, and it's um, Austin. What is it for, though? The most prestigious what, trophy in world rugby. What it's is it for? The for? Texas Cup. And um, do it. Do the bang. There we go. I love it when you I think, get all and, excited. And, uh, and you know, I think we'll see Will McGee lifting it again. Um, I agree with you. I mean, look, I think San Diego, what I said was San Diego I said played better rugby. I didn't say they were a better team. Austin dominated San Diego for many parts of that. Houston looked Houston, Austin. Good. Don't go back and try to change your words, Pete. You've made your mistake. You've upset the Austin fans. Pick the game. Austin. Austin, what's the score? I'm picking Austin. I think this is like 28-10. I don't think it's that close. Yeah. Um, I'm with you. Sorry, boys. Sorry, JT. Sorry, Sammy. I just, I don't know. I don't know. But it's it's weird. Like I said, they've got that kind of like history, right? Winning the first game and then going on a, a run of losing games. So they've right. got that to turn around and they've got the talent. I just can't, I, I, I can't put my finger on Houston. I really just can't figure it out. So... Um, yeah, Austin, I thought have looked okay. They just haven't executed in the red zone. Yeah. So they should make some change. I think they're actually going to have, uh, obviously, Bryce Campbell. We saw him go down. We got news that he's actually, he's okay. He's been discharged from the hospital. And but it was a scary moment. The game got stopped and stretched it off. And you, know, you start to see some limbs moves going off, which is always reassuring, but you just never know. So. Um, but missing Bryce Campbell, you know, you got Frank Alaya probably jump into 13, but uh, that's a that's a big loss losing Brycey there. So, but I don't know. I could see it going both ways, but I'll give the home advantage to Austin. I'll say, what'd you say, 28-10? Yep. Been, both their games have been pretty tight down there, right? Even the Utah game. What was the score in that? That wasn't too bad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's been it's, it's been it's been pretty like combined it, over two games, it's a total of five points. Yeah, so they've kept it pretty pretty tight the whole time. All right, um, I'll go 26, 24, oh. build the drill, penalty to win it on full time. Bam, get behind it. Look at that! Like like not just predicting the score, but predicting the final play. That's some like. That's really ballsy for the guy that's ninth in the in, in the ladder. Eight. I mean, eight. eight. Stop it. Well, I think Mac Mason's actually kicking for points. So yeah, I was just saying. I didn't even think Bill the Drill was kicking, but but he might be by then. Return of the Mac, Mac, Mac the Smack. What can we call him? And Bill the Drill is so good. You know, uh, yeah, it's going to be a great game. All right, Pete. Travel safe. 
Um, I'll see you in your virtual world of San Diego, Atlanta. Yep. Um, on Friday. See you Friday night, buddy. Actually, no, don't. You'll see, you'll see me Saturday morning. I will see Saturday morning. You will see me Saturday morning. When are you coming in? Uh, like, like, is this part of the podcast? I'm yeah, like it's do it. Do it so people can know. Get on, get on to if you want to have some fun. Call DIA, call TSA, find out what Pete's flight is. Uh, you know, mention something about a deranged English lunatic, and we'll see if he gets there. I think, I think, I think we'll be fine. Um, I think we should all travel safe. I think the um, uh, fans should leave. Uh, oh, we have a um, don't we have a, a new uh, review? Thanks to those guys that that, yeah. that did the review. Did you did you get the full review, Aaron? I couldn't read the whole title to it. That was the whole review, so I went and pulled it up. So the review you read before we got on the show was the full thing. Um, oh, you got to read it now. Everyone's going to read right. it. All yeah, right. What was it? Here we are. Hang, give me one second, and we are professional stuff here, folks. <laughs> Corey E two. Yeah, Corey too. On on Sunday, 328-2021. Position that the MLR has the best players, question mark. I'll go with Hooker. Ah. It's, Thank uh, you. I mean, we've it's, got, we've got I, some I agree. Four hookers. Two, yeah. Twos and nines, probably my the, the highest quality in the league right now, right now. Yeah. Hookers, hookers and scrum half. So Corey, too. You're a smart man. You're a smart. I, man. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I think uh, you know. I, I, I think the problem with both of those is that the starting hookers and scrum halves are pretty good. The backups in most teams are a real struggle. So I think that's where that's where the challenge is. But please, um, we've also had a couple of ratings. Thanks to those guys that leave the rating. If if you leave a um, a review, we will read it. Um, get onto um, Super Brew. Join our ladder. Um, we'll start getting some of you, you guys involved as well. And uh, um, Dan, I will see you this weekend. Yes, I'll see you this weekend. Travel safe. Be safe, everyone. Enjoy the rugby. Just four games this weekend. Smashed into a Super Saturday. We look forward to seeing you then. And we'll be back next week for Pete Steinberg, the professor, our producer, Aaron Castro. I'm Dan Power. This has been the MLR Kickoff. Episode 83 of MLR Kickoff brought to you by shopmlr.com, powered by The Rugby Shop.